Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We've got a great show today. We're giving some tips for displaying quilts on a quilt ladder. Everything from choosing the right ladder, to hanging your quilts, to protecting your quilts while they're on display. We also give some basics for repairing antique quilts in your collection. Hear what a staff member is currently working on, share our listeners' best tips for cutting, and introduce a fun new segment aimed at sharing local quilt shops' stories. So let's dive in! Quilt ladders are a staple in many quilters' homes. It's an easy way to display a few more of your creations without taking up a large amount of space. Today, we want to share a few tips about adding a quilt ladder to your home and how to style it so that you can make the most of your quilt ladder display. First, let's talk about choosing a quilt ladder. Many home decor stores and online shops sell quilt ladders made from a variety of materials. There are also different heights and widths, different number of rungs on the ladder, and different colors. So before you shop, think about where you might display this quilt ladder in your home and how much space you have to work with. Let me give you an example from my own home. We have a corner of our living room that is framed by a window on one wall and a doorway on the other. The corner was an awkward space, just not enough space to add furniture or seating. And while we could have added artwork, it would have taken quite a bit to fill the corner. This made it the perfect space for a quilt ladder, which adds height with its display, but without taking up too much width so that we can still easily walk by through the doorway without it being in the way. I didn't want the quilt ladder so high that it matched the height of the doorway or the window, so I chose a ladder that was three feet shorter. And I didn't want the width to take up the whole corner because adding a quilt next to curtains on our window would have felt very heavy. So I bought a ladder that took up half the space on that wall. It's the perfect size to add color and texture to the corner without looking too overwhelming for the space. So those are just some of the things you might want to consider before you buy one. Another thing to consider is how to protect your wall from the quilt ladder. Some quilt ladders can be heavy, especially if they're made of wood or if they're holding larger quilts. That can cause scratches or denting on your wall if you're not careful. So many of the newer quilt ladders have little rubber stoppers on the rungs that touch the wall to help avoid some of these issues but you can always add felt pads to quilt ladders. These felt pads are usually used for protecting floors from the feet of your furniture. So that's an alternate solution too. Now I want to share some ideas for hanging quilts on your ladder. Not all quilts work well on ladders. So if the quilt's design or the blocks are very large, you may not be able to see them well when they're folded up smaller to hang on the ladder, so it may end up not looking very exciting when displayed. 
so it's sometimes best to choose quilts with a repeated design or smaller blocks. Or maybe your quilt has a focal point that you'd like to highlight, like applique or a medallion center. If that's the case, you want to make sure the width of the ladder allows for that focal point to be framed, otherwise you'll, you'll lose part of that design when it's folded, and you might want to just consider that if it's applique and you're folding on top of the applique, you don't want that to crease. So just things to think about. When folding a quilt to hang on your ladder, first you want to figure out which part of the quilt you want displayed and center that. Then you'll fold the quilt in half and thirds or fourths, depending on the size of the quilt, to get that part you chose centered on the front. Then you can hang it on your ladder and kind of slide the quilt up or down to center the design. Um, and I always like to give the quilt just like a little zhuzh on the sides so that I can make sure it fits that space perfectly and there's not any weird folds. I know I personally, I don't like folding quilts in half because then you have one side of the quilt that has all the binding on the display and then the other side has the quilt and I just think it makes it look uneven so I'll always try to fold even just the very ends if it's a few inches, if it's like a wall size quilt that you're wanting to display. I always like to fold those in just a few inches to just hide the binding so it doesn't look <laughs> uneven or unbalanced, but that's just my personal <laughs> uh, kind of way to think about it. I also only display one quilt on my ladder at a time because I really like that to be a focal piece in my room and give all of that quilt the attention. But I do switch that quilt out seasonally so I can change up the decor. But I know that many people like to display multiple at a time. So it's totally up to you and your likes and the size of your ladder. Now, if your quilt ladder is antique or made of painted, unfinished, or unsealed stained wood, which many are, you have some other considerations. So antique ladders add a really special touch to your display and they can be very meaningful if they've been passed down. But you want to make sure you're protecting your quilts from the wood so that they don't get damaged. You can buy archival paper online to wrap the rungs to protect your quilts, but that can sometimes be expensive. So we have a few other options for you. The easiest method is to wrap a white cotton hand towel around the rung and secure it with a binding clip or a safety pin on the sides. But if you want a more fitted cover for your rungs, you might consider sewing a rectangle of cloth that measures the length of the rung by the circumference of the rung and then adding ties like ribbon or twill tape to secure it to the rung. And if you plan to display a quilt that you want to have like a softer or more circular fold to it, like an antique quilt where you may not want it to be kind of that sharp fold in the center because it can cause crease marks or like weaken the fabric, you might want to consider buying a pool noodle. You cut the pool noodle about half an inch shorter than the length of the ladder rung and you slice an opening down the side of the pool noodle and then you slide it onto the rung. 
Then you can cover the pool noodle with a protective cloth of sorts before you drape your quilt over the rug and it hangs really beautifully and rounded. So we actually have a video showing these three methods um, in more depth. So we'll link to that in the show notes so that you can check it out. All in all, a quilt ladder is an easy and effective way to display quilts in your home and can add a beautiful look to areas of your home. We hope these tips are helpful to those who are considering purchasing one or for those who already are using them in your homes. We're really excited to share these tips because this week's Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is to add a quilt ladder to your home or style it in your home differently. So for those who don't know, our Sweet Quilty Home Challenge is something we're hosting on the podcast and social media. It's actually the second to last week of the challenge, but you can always go back and participate in the previous challenges. And if you participate, you can use the hashtag Sweet Quilty Home on Instagram. You can also visit our show notes. We'll have a link to the home, the Sweet Quilty Home page on our website, and we have uh, details of each week's challenge and a lot of helpful videos and content to get you started. We're going to take a quick ad break, but hang tight. When we get back, we'll be chatting with Jody Sanders about repairing antique quilts. Welcome back. I'm here with Jody Sanders, the editor of American Patchwork and Quilting for Collector's Corner, a segment where we explore antique quilts and notions in their history. So what are we going to be talking about today, Jody? One of the most common questions I get is, how can I fix my old quilt? So I want to talk about that today because there's not really any simple answer to that. Really, when you talk about fixing old quilts, there's kind of three categories. So it either fits into repair, restoration, or conservation. So let's kind of break it down into each of those three categories. First of all, let's talk about repair. This is probably the most common way to fix an old quilt. Let's say grandma made a quilt for you and it has been well-loved. It comforted you when you were sick. You used it to snuggle up with to read a good book or watch a movie. Maybe it's even been used every day on your bed. This quilt has been washed and dried a lot. And as a result, it's become tattered in some places, or maybe the binding has become worn. The easiest way to repair an old quilt is to patch or cover the places where there's a worn spot. And you can do that with a piece of fabric or an applique. Let me give you an example. I have a friend who fussy cut a butterfly motif from a piece of fabric, and then she stitched it on the block where there had been a hole before. I thought that was a really creative way to disguise where a hole had been. Bindings are also something that easily get worn, so you can remove those and replace them. And if you're a quilter yourself, you probably can do that all by yourself. Now, the next category that I mentioned is restoration. And this is where you're restoring an old quilt to its former self. If you've done it well, you probably can't even tell it's been altered. But this does take more skill, and you may need to hire somebody else to do the work, especially if you don't enjoy hand sewing, because typically machine sewing is not used in restoration work. When patching places where the fabric has worn away or there's a hole, you'll want to use fabrics that are from the same time frame as the original quilt. 
There are a lot of reproduction fabrics on the market right now, but if possible, try and use an authentic piece of fabric from that time period. So, for example, if the quilt was made in the 1930s with feed sacks, try to use 1930s feed sacks and not 1930s reproduction prints. Now, sometimes that isn't always possible, but that would be the ideal. Due to training and experience, a professional restorer can actually tell the difference by looking and feeling at a piece of fabric. Restoration specialists usually have a stash of vintage blocks or scraps that they can go to to match fabrics. By following the seam line of the original pieces, you cover just the parts that need to be fixed. Now, you also may need to add some hand quilting to the stitches that you replaced those new pieces. So take the time to match your thread and make the stitches similar to those of the original. Now in this case, if the binding is worn, what you want to do is place the new binding over the top of the old one and try to use the same style, either bias or straight of grain as the original. Now the last area I mentioned was conservation. And in this case, you're kind of leaving the quilt as it is, and you're just stabilizing it so that there isn't any more damage and that it gets worse. But you're not really adding anything to fix it. Contra conservation work requires special skills and tools, so it can be costly. Conservation is usually reserved for historic textiles and valuable pieces. Conservation can also include covering the quilt with a bridal illusion or other types of tool to support the fragile textiles underneath. The thread should match the original thread and you wanna use thin, thin, very thin needles so that you don't pierce the fabrics and possibly create more damage. So depending on the sentimental, monetary, or historical value of the quilt that you wanna fix, that's gonna help you determine whether you want to repair, restore, or conserve. Thanks so much, Jody. Now we have a brand new segment on this podcast to introduce, but first a little background. Our magazine Quilt Sampler has celebrated independent quilt shops for the last 25 years. So your local quilt shop owners, they're creative, they're talented, resilient, and resourceful. And they had to rely on all these traits when the pandemic threw them a curveball this year. Many of them were pushed to pivot their business practices, but also many of them have been supporting the needs of their communities for years. In this new segment, Love Your Local Quilt Shop, Doris Brunette, the editor of Quilt Sampler Magazine, will be sharing some stories of local quilt shops giving back to their communities. Take it away, Doris. Small business owners, quilters, and artists are often asked to donate items to help raise funds for community efforts. And while you may be happy to do so, you don't always get to see the direct impact your actions have. That's not the case in this story from Mary at Yankee Dutch Quilting and Dry Goods in Brownsville, Oregon, a small town with a population just shy of 1,700 people. She tells me that they happened upon the most rewarding thing they've ever done accidentally. Mary says, we were asked to partner up with our local school and offer one of their students in the special education program work experience for a couple of hours a week. This is how Anne came to spend time with us. It started off with her cleaning for the first half of her time, 
and then we would work with her on sewing for the second half. The quilting gene runs strong in her family, and Anne had been expressing interest in learning how to quilt. She would giggle as she vacuumed and dusted, and then we would sit down and sew a simple table runner or a placemat. Then we found out Anne was cleaning for other places, and I thought, why waste talent? We switched to having her concentrate on sewing the whole time, and she churned out some store samples and a gift or two for her mom. I admit I did have an agenda. I have three daughters, and none of them ever wanted to spend time quilting with me. As far as they were concerned, quilting had ruined their childhood. They can be a bit dramatic. So I was delighted to have a sewing buddy. Keyword here was, when my oldest daughter found out about Anne, she got in on the act. Quilting may have ruined her childhood, but she has still turned out to be a closet quilter. Then the middle child, then my youngest. They started to take over the weekly sewing time with Anne. Well, do you think Anne would rather sew with me or with people her own age? You got it. I was fired. When Anne graduated, she came to work with us one day a week, all day on Wednesdays. Anne has churned out so many quilts, we were able to put together a one-woman quilt show at the local city hall, and as soon as we figure out how to get a larger one going, we will. Her sense of color is adventurous and bold, resulting in dynamic quilt patterns. It's been wonderful to spend the last few years watching this opportunity turn into something special special, and see Anne blossom. Yankee Dutch Quilting participates in other community efforts as well. Two or three times a year, we exchange discounts for non-perishable food items or personal hygiene items, which are then passed on to local agencies for people in need. We occasionally teach and help host many retreats with the tuition being donated to an appointed cause and in all honesty, this is our favorite way to help raise funds and help our community. Since COVID, we've had to reduce our monthly quilt club meetings from 20 people at once to seven people at once to comply with social distance guidelines, and our classes have reduced to three people plus the instructor. We're still offering what we can. As we know, for some people like us, quilt time is mental therapy time. Customers, however, have been lovely and supportive. We almost cry when we think about how supportive they are. We know two or three people who have planned out how much money they will be spending at each of their favorite stores because, in their own words, when life goes back to normal, we want to make sure you are still here. The people who have expressed this sentiment are the kind of people who inspired us to open our store in the first place, and one of the best things about COVID-19 has been getting to experience this. We feel loved and wanted, and that is a wonderful thing. Again, this quilt shop is Yankee Dutch Quilting and Dry Goods in Brownsville, Oregon, and their website is yankeedutchquilts.com. I'm looking forward to sharing more heartwarming stories like this one, as well as stories of the positive impact that pandemic has had for many of our independent quilt shops. Thanks, Doris. We'll link to the shop in our show notes so that you can check them out and support them. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, Doris will be back to share a project she's working on. Welcome back. Now we're handing it back to Doris for the segment, What's on Your Workspace, where a member of our staff shares a fun project they're working on. This summer, I've been working on designing and adding hand applique borders to a quilt I hand-pieced a few years ago. The design is candied hexagons by an Australian designer, and I've shared this quilt many times on my Instagram account. 
the quilt center has a really special meaning to me because it was what was happening in my life during that period that I pieced it together, both extreme highs and extreme lows. My life has changed completely more than once since I started this quilt in 2010, and I even had to put it away for a while because of that. So it's taken me a decade, more than a decade, to cut and hand piece this beautiful quilt and now to applique borders for it, but it's happened in its own time. The cheerful greens, bright pinks, soft yellows, and aqua blues in the fabrics make me smile. I love slowing down to work on this project, time to reflect on my life, my family, my place in the world. It's just cathartic. Despite the sorrows woven into this quilt, the joyful memories associated with the project will always outweigh the memories of the sad and uncertain times. I absolutely love everything about this quilt. Thanks, Doris. We can't wait to see your progress on this quilt. It's truly beautiful. Doris actually shared the entire story behind this quilt on episode 466 of this podcast. So if you're curious to hear more, check that episode out. Now we're moving on to reader tips, a segment where we share your best advice to common quilting struggles. I always love this segment because our listeners are geniuses. When I get the emails from people with their tips, I'm always like, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) So today we're going to explore some cutting tips. So this first tip is from Nadine Bergen of Surgeon Bluff, Iowa. She says, I use duct tape to secure the top of my strip ruler to my cutting mat. No more slipping. I just lift up the bottom of the ruler to remove the cut fabric and place the next piece to be cut. Becky Magnus of Layton, Utah says, Clipping curved seams can be tedious. I found that using a pinking shears for the task saves me time and keeps me from clipping into the seams. I love this tip, especially with applique or if you're doing curved piecing and you're supposed to clip little notches into the seam to help it lay flatter. It is a pain in the butt, especially (laughs) when you have a lot to do. So using a pinking shears, I'm going to try that one. Good one. Debbie Van Cleef of Lake Ariel, Pennsylvania says, because I have arthritis, it's difficult for me to apply pressure to a ruler when cutting fabric. I found that I don't have to apply as much pressure if I put a three by four inch piece of shelf liner under the edge of my ruler. The ruler never moves. Leslie Muir Bulp from West Booth Bay Harbor, Maine says, I purchased an enamel cast iron napkin holder to store my acrylic rulers. It's attractive, fits on my cutting table, and is heavy enough that the rulers don't tip over. I also keep a small cutting mat and a lazy Susan mat in the holder. It keeps them flat without taking up room on my cutting table. Rebecca Simmons of Somerville, South Carolina says, After years of using small fabric weights, like one and an eighth inch diameter, I discovered the three by four inch clover magnet pin caddy. Because of their size, the caddies are much better than the weights for holding large, heavy quantities of fabric. When I have to iron quilt backings or cut long lengths for borders, I stabilize my work with these caddies. They also have the added bonus of being pincushions. 
that is a good idea because that fabric can be very heavy and it can pull. So when you're cutting or ironing, it can distort the fabric or you can miscut if it pulls down. So that's a great idea to secure that fabric that way. Carol Murphy of Olay, Pennsylvania says, I save dull rotary cutting blades to cut gift wrap. They speed up the wrapping process. I always use a cutting mat even though the blades are dull. Well, since the holiday season is arriving, that's a great tip to keep in mind. Lynn Condor of Bloomington, Illinois says, When I buy a five-pack of rotary cutter blades, I write in marker on the small plastic case the numbers 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Each time I take out a new blade, I mark an X through the next descending number. This way, I know at a glance how many blades I have left in the pack and when to think about buying more. Great tips today. And just a reminder, if you ever want to share a tip with us to be featured on the podcast or in our magazines, you can email them to me at apqtips at meredith.com. Thanks so much for listening today. And just a fun shout out that the newest issue of Quilt Sampler magazine went on sale last week. It's the fall winter 2020 issue and it features 10 shops and 10 exclusive quilt projects. So as Dora said earlier, local quilt shops need our support right now. So consider buying the magazine from one of the featured stores. We'll link to it in our show notes. The magazine was produced entirely during the pandemic, which made traveling to all these stores challenging, but also very rewarding for all of those involved. So we hope you check it out and we'll talk to you all next week.